Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 26. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I haven't read this story in a really long time. And I want to read it tonight just because I haven't read it in a long time. And for some reason, it just ministers to me. So I'm going to read it to you. I hope you enjoy it. A minister is passing through his church in the middle of the day. And he decided to pause by the altar and see who had come to pray. Well, just then the back door opened and a man came down the aisle. The minister frowned as he saw the man Hadn't shaved in a while. His shirt was kind of shabby. His coat was worn and frayed. The man knelt. He bowed his head, then rose and walked away. In the days that followed, each time came this chap. Each time he knelt just for a moment, a lunch pail in his lap. Well, the minister's suspicions grew. With robbery a main fear, he decided to stop the man and ask him, what are you doing here? The old man said he worked down the road. Lunch was a half hour. Lunchtime was his prayer time for finding strength and power. I stay only moments, see, because the factory is so far away. As I kneel here talking to the Lord, this is kind of what I say. I just came again to tell you, Lord, how happy I've been since we found each other's friendship and you took away my sin. Don't know much how to pray but I think about you every day. So Jesus, this is Jim checking in today. The minister's feeling started, minister started feeling foolish and he told Jim that that was fine. He told the man he was welcome to come and pray just any time. Time to go, Jim smiled and said, thanks. He hurried to the door. The minister kneeled at the altar. He had never done that before. His cold heart melted, warmed with love, and met with Jesus there. As the tears flowed in his heart, he repeated old Jim's prayer. I just came again to tell you, Lord, how happy I've been since we found each other's friendship and you took away my sin. I don't know much how to pray, but I think about you every day. So, Jesus, this is me checking in today. Well, past noon one day, the minister noticed that old Jim hadn't come. As more days passed without Jim, he began to worry some. At the factory, he asked him, learning he was ill. The hospital staff was worried, but he'd given them a thrill. The week that Jim was with them brought changes in the ward. His smiles, a joy contagious, changed people were his reward. The head nurse couldn't understand why Jim was so glad. When no flowers, calls, or cards came, not a visitor he had. The minister stayed by his bed. He voiced the nurse's concern. 
Though friends came to show they cared, he had nowhere to turn. Looking surprised, old Jim spoke up with a winsome smile. The nurse is wrong. She couldn't know that in here all the while, every day at noon, he's here. A dear friend of mine, you see. He sits right down. He takes my hand. He leans over and he says to me, I just came again to tell you, Jim, how happy I've been since we found this friendship and I took away your sin. I always love to hear you pray. I think about you each day. And so, Jim, this is Jesus checking in today. I love that little story. I like to read it from time to time. For those of you that have been around here at Calvary Chapel, you've probably heard it, I don't know, 10, 100 times. <laughs> but I love it. It just somehow ministered to me. Show of hands. Were you with me last week? Show of hands. You know then, last week we saw a clear presentation of the fact that victory is a moment-by-moment thing. In other words, you can kill giants today, pray today, walk in the spirit today. You can have great victory today. But if you don't stay in the spirit, you'll lose the battle tomorrow. And it only takes one little stupid navel, fool. Now you're in the flesh, acting solely out of anger and the flesh. Chapter 24 and 25, that's exactly what we learn from the giant killer, David. Now, if you've been here on Wednesday evening, you know Saul had been bitter and jealous of David and trying to kill David since chapter 18. I want you to peruse with me. Keep up with me, saints. Chapter 24, David and his men are hiding in the caves of En Gedi. Saul needs to use a restroom, and so he stops in the same cave that David's hiding in. God thing, David had the opportunity to kill Saul. David's men are saying, come on, David, do it. This is the Lord. Do it. Kill Saul. David said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. David won this victory over temptation to kill Saul that moment. Well, the very next chapter, chapter 25, a fool, Nabal is his name, refused to give David and his men some provisions for helping care for Nabal's flocks. It was customary and right and disrespectful, or should I say respectful, to give some benefit to those who helped you while you were in the field with your sheep. David asked his men to go ask Nabal for help. Nabal mocked David, and when Nabal mocked David, David lost it. Look at chapter 25, verse 13. David told his men, suit up, fellas, we're going to fight. Did you get that? He spared Saul's life, but this little Nabal situation, he's ready to kill. Now, I can't state this enough. It's the little things that tear you down. Be careful about the little Nabals. You know, Solomon said it like this in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine, for our vines have tender grapes. You see, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little nables that can ruin your reputation and your character. Well, enter center stage Abigail, Nabal's wife. Uh, She's wise. She's beautiful. She's humble. Look at chapter 25, verse 14. One of Nabal's servants heard how Nabal disrespected David and his men, and they told Abigail. Abigail, knowing the custom, look at verse 18 of chapter 25. Y'all keeping up with me? Look at chapter eight, verse 18, chapter 25. She, she, she took David some provisions because she knew the custom. 
She took some bread and some wine, some raisins, some fig, fig, fig cakes, and she left quickly. Abigail wants to get to David before David gets to Nabal. Look at verse 20. She's face to face with David. David is mad as a hornet. David is hot. He's ready to kill somebody. She falls down, bows before David, and begins to speak wisely to him. Proverbs 15.1, if you don't have it written down, please write it down. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away what, saints? Wrath. But a harsh word stirs up what? Anger. F.P. Myers said she was a cool hand on a hot head. I like that. Look at verse 25. Abigail said, please don't pay attention to my husband. He's a fool, just like his name says. She began to reason with David, telling him, David, you're a better man than this. In other words, don't let this fool of a husband of mine ruin your reputation. David, remember, it was God who kept you back from shedding blood. David found himself attracted to her. Meanwhile, back on the ranch, Abigail is interceding for her husband. And her husband is having a party and getting drunk. And she told him what happened the next morning. When she told him what happened, Nabal went into a coma. I want you to look at verse 37, 38, 39. Nabal went into a coma, and 10 days later, he died. Look at verse 25, or verse chapter 25, verse 39. When David heard Nabal was dead, he said, praise the Lord. I know some of y'all too holy to say, Praise the Lord. Somebody's dead. David was quite glad to be done with him. And for a lot of reasons, he actually said, blessed be the Lord. Praise the Lord who pleaded the cause of my reproach and has kept me from evil. In other words, David said, thank God I didn't do anything. God took care of it. In verse 41 and 42, David tells us, it tells us that David marries Abigail and he married another woman, a Hinoan from Jezreel. Verse 9, he's got two wives. Hey, good luck with that. Verse 44, Saul had given Michael, David's wife, to another man. You looking at verse 44? To another man. And his name was Palti, or Palti, the son of Lachish, who was from Galim. So David is no longer Saul's son-in-law. That's where we left off the last time. We pick up in chapter 26. I've titled this sermon, Playing the Fool. 1 Samuel chapter 26, saints. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. amen. Now the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah saying, Is David not hiding in the hill of Helkalah opposite Jeshmon? And then, or Jeshamon? And then Saul arose and he went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul encamped in the hill of Helkalah, which is opposite Jeshimon, by the road. But David stayed in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. And David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul had indeed come. So David arose and he came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay. And Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army, now Saul lay within the camp with the people encamped all around, all around him. And then David answered and said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Abishai the son of Zorah, 
brother of Joab, nephew of David, saying, who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I'll go with you. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and there Saul lay sleeping within the camp with the spear stuck in the ground by his head, and Abner and the people lay all around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. But David, I kind of like Abishai, actually. But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall go out to battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed, but please take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head and let us go. And so David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head and they got away and no man saw or knew it for knew it or awoke, but they were all asleep. Why? Somebody read it with me. Because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. This is a great, great, great story. Chapter 6, 26, opens with the Ziphites who told Saul where David was located. Now, if you've been with us, in chapter 23, we saw David in the wilderness of Ziph. Now we meet the Ziphites in, in, in chapter 23. I told you that the Ziphites, uh, this word Ziph, means refiner. If you don't have it written down, write it down. This word ziph means refiner or refinement. Ziph was a town below the Dead Sea. Ziph was not a comfortable place to be. The Ziphites are from the tribe of Judah. So the Ziphites are David's own people. Notice the Ziphites are, the, are of the tribe of Judah, and this is the second time that they side with Saul and tell Saul David's location. Now, you got to wonder why they keep diming David out to Saul. Well, I think because the Ziphites don't want David to come to the throne. You see, the Ziphites are very selfish and very self-centered clan, and they don't want David to become king because when David becomes king, he's going to get them back for their betrayal. So they're hoping that Saul will get David before David gets them. Look at verse 2. Saul gathers 3,000 special forces to go find and fight David's 600 special men. Now, David's men are special because they're all in, in debt, distressed, and discontent. Somebody say amen. I think that makes you special. Verse 3 tells us Saul set up camp in the hill of Helkalah, but David was smart and stayed in the woods. Now look at verse 3 again. It tells us that David saw Saul coming. I like that. David positioned himself so he could see Saul, but Saul couldn't see David. So Saul and his men get up in the area or set up in the area in, in, in the camp. And David, in verse 4, sends some recon out to verify that Saul has really come to kill him. Now listen, that's wise. Have you noticed David is growing? 
Are you getting that feeling? If you've been with us on Wednesday night, you can feel it. David's growing, not, as, not only as a man, not only as a leader, but he's growing as a soldier. He's growing as a warrior. Because now David's wising up. He sends out some men to check out Saul just to be sure that Saul is out there. And, 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 and what is his intention? Just because Saul is out in the open in a camp doesn't mean automatically that he's coming to kill David. David doesn't know that. As a matter of fact, remember the last time they met, they, or they, 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 met, they left on good terms. They always leave on good terms, and Saul always changes his mind. Be that as it may, David sends some men out to make sure that Saul is out there and, you know, that he really wants to kill him. Or maybe he's just out there camping, and they just decide to go camping and, and roast some uh, marshmallows or something, or uh, some hot dogs or something. We don't know. He doesn't know. So David goes and sends some men out to be sure that, you know, Saul hasn't come out to kill him. Now, did you catch this? David isn't running anymore. He's not running like a rodent as he had been in the past. David is becoming, as I said, a real soldier, a real warrior. Remember, David and his men were hiding in the cave. Saul had a potty, don't you remember? And that's how David cut the corner of Saul's robe. And this time, David actively sought Saul out. So David sees Saul and Abner, the commander of Saul's army. Now, you got to understand something. Look, look at me. From a military standpoint and how a military unit will set up their camp, an army would come into the area and set up camp, and they would put the king in the center of the camp. Y'all follow me? You put the king in the center of the camp, and then you surround the king with an army. Well, then you would surround that army with another army. And you might surround that army with another army. So in order for you to get to the king, you've got to go through a lot of soldiers. So David is in the heights and he sees exactly where Saul is laying. Look at verse 5. It tells us that Saul is sleeping right next to Abner. Now, now Abner is the son of Ner. Abner's name means Abba. Ab, Abba means father, and Ner, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know. I do know a guy named Ner had a son and named him Abner. Now, I don't know why they named him Abner. Maybe mom and dad were going through the baby name book, and they saw Abba, and they thought, oh, that's cute, Abba. After father, you know, Abba, that's cute. So they grab Abba, and then we don't know because we weren't there. This is my sanctified imagination. You free to think what you want to think. Since I'm preaching, I'm thinking what I want to think. So maybe they're going through the, name, the baby name book, and they come up with Abba, and maybe something happened right then and there, and, and something grabbed their attention, and they just kind of went off into that something else, and they left the other meaning of the name off, and, and, and so, so they just call him Abner, the son of Ner. So now he's Junior Abner, Junior Ner. I mean, 
Junior. They probably call him Junior. David calls him Abner. Uh, Saul calls him Abner, but his family call him Junior. You know how you got those family names. I'm going to tell you all what my family name is. Now I've piqued your curiosity. But they just call him Junior. Well, look at verse 6. So David has spotted Saul and his army. And David looks over and he says, which one of y'all are going with me? And Abishai, that's David's nephew. If you don't have that written down, write it down. That's David's nephew. Abishai said, I'll go with you. So they take off and they go down. Verse 7, David and Abishai take off and they found their way into the camp. And when they got there, did you notice this? They found Saul and everybody else. Sleeping. And Saul's spear, did you get this? Is stuck in the ground right by his head. Verse 8, Abishai said, Listen, this has got to be the Lord. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm, you're going to love Abishai. When we're done with this study, he's going to be your favorite Bible character. He said, This has got to be the Lord. David, God has given your enemy into your hand. Abishai said, David, it has to be the Lord because. Because we got this close to them. We got close enough to kill them, David. We got, the, we got through 3,000 special forces, and when we got here, they're all cutting logs. David, this has to be the Lord. It must be the Lord. Are y'all getting this? Abishai is really trying to talk David into it. Abishai said, listen, David, I understand you have this thing about not touching the Lord's anointing and doing no prophets, no harm. And I understand that. But Abishai said, listen, I don't have that problem. I will touch the Lord's anointed. I will do the prophets some harm. I don't. That's your thing, David. I don't have that problem. Abishai said, don't. David, don't. I don't have that problem. You have that problem. Let me Put the sword in him, and I won't have to touch him twice. In Jesus' name. I get the feeling, Abishai, I, you know, I, sometimes I really wish I could have a DVD. I wish it was like just, just like it is on DVD. Because Abishai is probably saying, David, please, 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 please say, really, this one time, just let me, please, please, please. Let me run him through. There will, David, you don't have to touch the Lord. David, look over there. Just look, just look away. Look away. I take that, that, put that sword right there through his head. David's like, I'm not touching the Lord's anointing. Now to Abishai, listen, this is perfect poetic justice. Perfect poetic justice. Abishai may be thinking this is awesome. I'm going to kill him with his own spear. I'll kill him with the same spear he's been throwing at my uncle. Abishai is thinking this is great. Poetic justice. David has convictions that Abishai does not. And it's interesting because how can we, you know, um, we, can, we can talk ourselves into something many times that we really want to do. But likewise, we can talk ourselves out of something that God wants us to do. We can talk ourselves right out of a blessing. You know, I was sharing with some friends on Sunday night. We were just sitting having some fellowship. And I was telling them about, you know, 
prior to us coming to North Carolina, uh, many of you know I was in the Navy. I was in the Navy for 13 years. And, um, you know, I only had seven years to go to retirement. And if I had completed those seven years, I probably would have gotten somewhere between, you know, $2,500 and $3,500 a month for the rest of my life. I would have gotten medical and dental for me and my wife for the rest of my life. I would have had benefits for the rest of my life. I wouldn't even had to worry about Obamacare. Amen. I wouldn't, that would not be my problem. I would have been set. But God told me, even at 13 years, keep in mind, you re-enlist every four. Now, those of you that have been in the military, y'all following me. The rest of y'all listen. You re-enlist every four years. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.